Welcome to the Key and Mang audio experience where you're here from two up-and-coming therapists looking to enhance the lives of listeners by addressing health, wealth, lifestyle, and overall growth. Tune in to hear the latest lessons learned on the Key and Mang audio experience. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Key and Mang audio experience. I'm your host, Mang. As always, joined by my fellow co-host, Key. Key, what's good? What's up, Mang? How are you? I'm good. Can't complain. We got a special one today. We got... Uh, one of my classmates who just got his new job in, in home health and really excited to hear about his journey to get into the point where he's at right now. Charles, what's up? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. appreciate you coming on. We just kind of wanted to open it up first and kind of let you tell your story about how you got to where you're at right now. Um, yeah, so... I, it's kind of a long story. I don't even know where to start. Um, I guess I'll, I don't know, do you guys want to hear about travel first or home health or, I don't know, what do you guys think? Whatever, literally. How, how'd you get into PT and then choose that you choose home health as the study you want to work in, to a travel home health? Um, so I, I've always kind of had home health on my mind. Um, I think that, actually, I think it's first important to, I guess, address the elephant in the room, as you guys said, which is the PT salary. Um, I think everyone kind of has a sketchy thought on that, sketchy opinion on that. Um, and I feel like home health is kind of the best way to address that. Um, but to start about, I want to talk about my journey into home health because I feel like in school, you're kind of pushed to go into outpatient or inpatient. Um, and there's not a whole lot of opportunity to talk about home health or even learn about home health. Um, for me, uh, I started before PT school, I was an aide at a clinic. Um, and I was also working as like a part-time personal trainer, the, um, the clinic hired me because they wanted me to kind of jump on this whole wellness, fitness, PT combination. And after, you know, the patients do their, um, you know, do their uh, PT prescription, they would continue doing personal training with me just to, you know, keep them active. Um, and that's where the business side of me started thinking because the clinic would get a certain amount of money if they, if I was training their client, but if I brought in my own patient, then they would um, give me a bigger cut. Um, but I remember there was uh, one patient that I ended up working after. Um, she asked if I could train her in her home. Um, and she had like early onset Parkinson's and was an elderly patient <clears throat> and really never exercised in her life. Um, and long story short, that, that sort of connection became like a two-year, once-a-week personal training sort of vibe, um, and it just really stuck with me. Um, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed being able to be one-on-one -on -one and really just kind of set my own rates and not have a supervisor tell me what to do, um, and then fast forward to PT school. Um, I forgot when exactly I found out about the home health setting, but when I learned about it, I was like, oh, that's like really similar to what I was doing when I was training people in their homes. Um, but like I said, uh, in school, they don't tell you a whole lot about it. I think um, Mang remembers that we, we had like one day in our first year fall where we got to supervise home health. 
And that was the last time we, we ever talked about home health in school. So um, fast forward to clinicals. Um, clinicals was kind of a shit show because of COVID. Um, I was assigned to work one place in Boston. And then um, it was funny because I, I was the one who had to figure out I was getting canceled. Like the school didn't tell me. I was the one who was like, hey, what's going on? Like, I'm coming back in a day. Why, why am I not starting? Um, anyways, I get, they, the school is like, Hey, there's this new place called like Fox rehab and it does like outpatient home visits. And I'm like, Oh, it is at home health. And they were like, no, but I ended up <laughs> going there and it's, it's a little different from home health because it's outpatient and it's Medicare part B. Um, but the same sort of vibe, like you're going to patients' homes, you're treating more or less the same kind of pathologies, a lot of neuro, a lot of stroke patients, a lot of deconditioned patients. Um, and it, it's, that's, and I was lucky enough to have a CI that, um, that was, that had been a home health therapist before. So she was able to kind of answer all my questions about home health and how um, what we were doing at Fox was different than what was traditional home health. Um, and that's where I really learned a lot. And I, I think that's where I really solidified like my goal to go into home health right out, um, right out of PT school. Um, and then once I started learning more about salaries and reimbursement and how you're paid as a new grad, that's where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna try to do this after I graduate. Can you take us back through you? I know you mentioned working with that patient who was early onset Parkinson's and like yeah. building your own <laughs> and stuff how what was that thought process like for you for to build your own rates and did you ever kind of go back and forth between am I charging too much am I charging not enough um you know that was that was like the start of of just me kind of being on my own and starting my own business so I didn't really have like an idea of what was fair or what was not fair um <laughs> I, I really just looked at like, what would I be making if I was working at a big box gym as a personal trainer, right? Um, I kind of looked at that. Um, and I don't know, it, it, it was, it's, it's a weird thing to compare because I'd be like, okay, that, that uh, client at the gym is paying, what, $80 for a session, right? And I'm like, okay, should I get half of that? And the answer is that is like, yeah, of course I should get half of that. But then the gym's only paying the trainer like $20. So what is like, what's fair and what's not fair. So that definitely was a thought that I had in mind, but um, it also depended on what the client would want to pay as well. So now looking back to that experience, what would you say you would charge now? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, it's, it's so different because like now I'm a PT. So it, it's, I don't know, my, what, my, one, of my, one of my CIs said like, I can no longer be a personal trainer. I was just something weird. So I don't know what I would charge. Um, uh, it's hard to say. Uh, it, I'm, I'm just not thinking in that sort of way, like in, in the personal training sort of mind, right? Like obviously I'm a physical therapist and we can, you know, talk cash pay and stuff like that. But Looking back, if I were to stick strictly to personal training, I don't know, $60, $65 a session. 
something like even that. with your dpt but with the dpt obviously a lot more but uh, like i said i i don't know i don't know i just don't think of it like that <laughs> i'll just pick your braid <laughs> yeah 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 because at that point it's like am i providing personal training or physical therapy at that point right can you, you can be sorry i was gonna say can you merge the two together no you definitely can merge the two um I guess at that point, it's at that point you're doing cash pay, right? Um, <laughs> I, you know, you always hear that you charge as much as you think you should. Um, I don't know. I will say that I don't know. Um, I, I do know that, and I heard this on a video that if you are doing whatever you guys just said, like personal training and merging the two, dude, you can charge like half as much as what would normally be charged and still make like a shit ton more than insurance-based PT, right? That's kind of a thing that I learned. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think people like to work out with, like you can offer personal training, but I think people like the idea of getting training from a licensed healthcare professional as right. opposed to just a personal trainer. So um, you can increase your prices just off of that. It's just a matter of people want to pay, like you said. Can you talk to us a little bit about your, take us to after passing the MPT and finding that out and yeah. going through the job search of trying to find the right spot for you as your first job. What was that process like for you? Yeah, so uh, I think this is the part that I, everyone want, would want to hear. Um, so let's start with, let's, let's talk home health first because um, home health was the first thing that I wanted to get into. I actually didn't really want to go into travel, um, but I'll get into that later. Um, so let's just, let's just talk uh, strictly salary here. Um, so with home health, um, I was offered a job um, and we'll just say it was, I think it was, I think it was 2,100 a week. Um, which sounds like a lot. And it might be surprising that I refused that job. Um, but with me, I was thinking about like, okay, well, how did you get to that number? Like, what, what is that per week? Um, and the, the, the job was basically like, okay, here's, here's the different types of visits and this is how you're paid per visit, right? So there's like a follow-up visit. Um, in, in, in home health, there's follow-up visits, there's, uh, startup care visits, there's evals, um, there's different types of visits that you might not see an outpatient. Um, but basically I looked at um, the follow-up reimbursement and it was saying you'd be paid $70. And in home health, um, the way, the way you're, you're tracked, it's not like a clock in, and oh, it could be clock in, clock out, but they usually track you by, by points, what's called a point system. Um, and you're expected to do 30 points a week, which means you're going to see like six patients a day on average, right? Now, um, stay with me here. So a follow-up visit is usually worth one point. Um, and an eval, for the sake of simplicity, is worth two points. So, you know, 30 follow-up visits, 30 points a week. Um, and they said a follow-up visit was worth $70. So I'm like, oh, okay, so 70 times 30 is 2,100. Makes sense. Um, but then they told me that the eval rate was worth $85. 
Now, the reason why that's weird to me is because an eval is worth two points. So that means that an eval should be compensated as twice amount the follow-up visit. Um, and they, I asked them that and they were like, we're not gonna change that. I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. Um, and the reason why that's important is because you have to understand like that you're gonna have PT assistance, right? So, um, and as, as, as the licensed physical therapist, you have the power to do evals and recertifications and all that. So um, if you really understand the model, then you would understand that as a home health therapist, you're actually doing a lot of evals. Like that's the majority of your work, right? So if I'm gonna be doing mostly evals and I'm not compensated at like $140 in that case, then I feel like that's like, that doesn't sit well with me. So that's the type of thing that I, I really looked for when I was looking at jobs. Like, is it, does it make sense? Is it fairly compensated? Um, and that job was weird for those reasons that I just talked about, but also because I asked them like what the point rate was. That's the main sort of way to measure if you're getting paid fairly, um, like how much you're being paid uh, per one point. And that just wasn't the case with that company. So yeah, any questions about that? Did you have any guidance when negotiating that, like coming up with like, if the follow-up is one point and the eval is two points, then it should be double the amount. Did you kind of think of that on your own or did you have a mentor that was in the home health space that told you, hey, like this doesn't look right? Yeah, I, I have a mentor um, who kind of taught me about that. Um, I think you guys know who Brandon Smith is, um, but he was, <laughs> uh, so yeah, he kind of, you know, informed me all that information. But um, as far as like negotiating, it, it's, it was weird. Like I didn't really negotiate. I just asked a question, <laughs> right? Um, I didn't, there wasn't like a back and forth. It was just like, I think that this is how much you're supposed to be paid. Um, and if not, then I'm just going to look for a different job. It's hard to negotiate when you're a new grad, you know, because you don't know a lot, like you don't know what to ask for. Um, but I think if you understand reimbursement and you understand, you know, how your salary is made, I think that's a good place to start. I think you couldn't even argue that it is negotiating. They just didn't have anything to throw back at you. So you kind of like set the tone from what it is. And if they're not willing to compensate, then, you know, see you later, I guess. Plus it's like, if enough people keep asking that same question and they're not hiring people or therapists because of that, then they're going to have to change something because people are starting to understand, be more educated on, all right, um, how the point system works, how reimbursement should work. If I'm going to be seeing a lot more evals and not seeing as many follow-ups, then I should be getting paid more for evals because ultimately I'm the first line of contact and you're going to be Every, everyone that you don't see these people unless I email them. So I think that's a lot of value right there. So I think if clinic or home health or whoever agencies are realizing that people are asking more of these questions then they're gonna to have to change how their rates are. I mean, their rates are pretty high as is more than what you make in general outpatient, but still gotta make sure you ain't getting taken advantage of. Yeah, I think you it's, it's uh, sorry to cut you off. Um, I think, I don't know. It's almost like it's on the onus of the of the the therapist to to understand that, 
right? Like it's really important that you understand how reimbursement works because you're just gonna, you're just gonna hear that this job offers you 2,100 and you'd be like, that's a lot of money, let's go for it, right? And I think it's your responsibility to really understand where that's coming from so that, you know, you're not just being used. How did you go from turning down that job to getting the job you have now? Um, so yeah, that, that kind of brings me into my next topic, which is travel. Um, so I was, I traveled, this was the first job I actually looked at and was got an offer from, but then I had second thoughts about wanting to stay local. Um, but let me, let me break down travel and kind of talk about the salary and why it's, why I ended up taking travel instead. So the way travel works, I don't know if people know, if you do any, any research, you'll figure out that your, your take-home salary with travel is divided between um, like your hourly pay and stipends, right? So uh, the thing is with stipends is that they're not taxed, right? You don't get taxed on stipends, um, which is a really big deal. Um, just out of curiosity, what do you guys think the, the percentage split is between your hourly pay and your salary? I mean, and your stipends. Do you guys have any idea of that? I don't know the split, but I think that your hourly is like 50% less than what it normally would be than they make up for it with the stipend. Um, something like that. <laughs> um, it's, so it's more like, because you hear a lot like, oh, travel is going to help you pay for housing. It's going to pay for some of your food, stuff like that, right? The thing is, it's not just some of your housing or some of your food. Like it's, the split is really 50-50, right? So it's like 50% your hourly pays, 50% stipends. So let me, so that's, that's like really significant. Let me just break it down number wise. So let's say you have a local job and you have a travel job, right? And they both pay $1,000 a week, for example. So with the local job, $1,000, you're going to be taxed, right? Uh, state income tax, federal taxes, all that. Um, and that's around, let's just say that's around 30%, all right? So every week you're going to take home $700 after tax, right? With the travel job, remember stipends, uh, hourly pay, it's split in half, right? So $500 stipends, that's not taxed. $500 not taxed. So you already take home $500 stipends, no tax. Your salaries, your, um, your hourly pay is taxed, uh, still at the same rate, 30%. So that's $350, right? So $350 after tax plus the $500 stipends, that's $850, right? So $850 versus $700, $150 week difference, right? If you add that up over a year, that's a lot of money that you're going to be saving. So um, ultimately that's why I took the travel job. <laughs> I was gonna say with, um, <clears throat> with a breakdown of like that, does taking home, like having that extra untaxed money, does that, does that, did that play into your mind when you come think about having to repay, repay back your student loans? I, I guess, um, <laughs> uh, I'm the wrong person to ask about that. Um, 
but as far as paying back loans, it's, you know, I'm the type of person who I'd want to pay back loans as soon as possible. Um, I don't like the idea of, um, you know, there's like different ways to talk about paying back loans, but yeah, I don't, I don't like that hanging over my head. Right. So I'm the type of person like, Hey, let's, if I, if I were to have loans, I'd be like, let's make as much money as possible and get that out of the way before I try doing anything else. So, yeah. So then a follow-up then to that, if let's say, what, what are you trying to accomplish with your PT career? Now, now I'm kind of curious with like, with working at home health and having the opportunity to go to people's homes or working and travel and getting to go to different cities and stuff, what do you want to accomplish in your career? It's an interesting question because I, I feel like I'm trying to address different things um, with my PT career. Like one of the things I'm trying to address is like the, like you said, the elephant in the room, the salary, um, being paid fairly, making sure I'm not being abused by an employer um, with my salary and things like that. Like that's one battle, right? Like that's one, one thing I'm really trying to focus on. Um, if you take that out of the equation, like, yeah, I, I like working with elderly people. I like doing home health. Um, it's something that I'm comfortable with. Um, I like doing one-on-one. -on -one. Um, it's, it's a different kind of vibe when you're in a patient's home, right? Cause it's like bare space and being able to build rapport with them, being able to, I don't know, just, just, it's just such a different way to talk to a patient. Um, and I actually noticed this when um, just going through clinicals. Cause I remember going through my clinical at Fox, which is, you know, the outpatient home clinic and, my CI was like, hey, you're really good at building rapport with patients. You're really good at communicating. You're the best student I've seen at doing that. And I was like, great. But then I, I go to my outpatient clinical. And then after a month, my CI is like, hey, you're not talking enough. Like you need to just, just shoot the shit with the patient a little bit more. And I was, I was just thinking about this yesterday. And I'm like, oh, but I don't feel like I was doing anything different. I feel like I was just being me. But that's a big deal because it just means that I'm naturally more comfortable in home health, right? Like I'm naturally more comfortable being one-on-one -on -one with the patient um, and just providing that type of care. So, um, but as far as like what I want to do in home health, no, no, I just want to be a physical therapist. I just want to help people get better. Um, and being in, being at home is something that I'm more comfortable. With. So it seems like, a lot of the reason why you went into the home health and travel, travel PT is the extra um, money in addition to like wanting to work with that population. So if student loans isn't really something you're too worried about right now, what do you do you plan on doing anything with the extra money? Do you have any endeavors that you want to um, pursue outside of PT? I mean, I, I, there's so many like possibilities. Like I personally, you know, I like to think things one, one thing at a time. Um, you know, obviously like cash pay practice, opening my own business, like that's in my future. Um, you know, I, I just anything that I'm not really into anything specific, like it's all in my head. <laughs> I, I just feel like I, I, I want to address the now. Right. And that's just working as, 
a home health therapist and working as an employee. Um, but, you know, opening my own clinic, something sports related, you know, uh, sports for the elderly, things like that. Like that's all in my head. Um, but yeah, I I'm really just thinking about right now. Do you ever think about like diving into the like real estate, investing stocks, that kind of that world? Um, yeah, no, I've definitely thought about it. Um, I, the real estate world is something that I'm definitely interested in. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that my, that, that client I was talking about earlier, personal training Parkinson's, like she was, it, it's funny that a lot of our personal training sessions and our conversations during those sessions would actually revolve around real estate. Um, and that's something that, you know, you definitely can get into. Um, I think that, you know, if you're a physical therapist working at a PT mill, then you're not going to build enough capital to even think about real estate, which is why I think going into home health or travel is, is, is definitely an option you should consider. Um, but, you know, my whole idea is, you know, work as an employee now, um, make as much money as you can now to, to build all that money so that you can invest in things like that. Uh, one more, I got one more question before I key comes out i feel like i've hijacked this <laughs> but um taking it um back to i think now being out of school and kind of seeing what the affordances that you can have once you're licensed as a pt and kind of all the options that you can take what is your pt license worth in, in your eyes now yeah so that is I, I i look at that from a more objective standpoint um, like more number wise um, you know, you always hear people like say, Hey, know your worth and all that motivational stuff. And that's cool. That's cool. Um, but I'm literally just talking about like the numbers. So, I mean, so the way I think about it is if you ever look at a bill, like a PT bill, right. You'll, you know, I've seen bills for like $200, $150 or whatever. But, you know, if you do the research, you look it up, you'll realize that Medicare generally reimburses an outpatient visit at $110 on average. So the reason I find that weird is because, you know, you, you work at a clinic, you do PT for an hour, you bill out four units, and like you get paid a certain amount of money. But in my head, what's running in the back of my head is like, well, but I know that it's worth $110, right? So if you see three patients an hour, right? Like each of those four units is $110, right? You see three patients, bill four units out each. So you just generated $330 for your company, right? But you're only being paid $32 an hour. That's, that's the sort of shit that doesn't really sit well with me. Um, so you know, that's how I look at it, right? Someone else might look at it and be like, oh, I'm seeing three patients an hour. I'm being really efficient. Um, you know, I put the first per the first patient, I warm them up on the bike. And then the second patient, I, I normally do manual therapy at the end, but I can't do manual therapy at the same time with three patients. So I'll do the second patient first, and then I'll set up the third patient with the PT aid, right? And start exercise. So you know, maybe efficiency is important to you and that's fine, right? Like, but you have to 
kind of figure that out for yourself. And in my opinion, I feel like if I were to work at a mill like that, seeing three patients an hour and only being compensated a certain amount, when I'm generating hundreds of dollars worth of revenue for the company, that's the sort of stuff that doesn't sit well with me. So I definitely feel that. Um, you've ever seen online, like people are like, well, you got into healthcare to help people not to make money. How do you feel about that? I kind of understand your answer from your previous answer, but I just want to hear you elaborate on it. Well, like, I think that if you like in its own bubble, right? Like helping people with their pain, making 80 to 90 K a year, right? Like I think in its own bubble, that's great. Like, I think that's fine. Right. But there's, it's, there's so much more to it, right? You paid $150,000 to go into PT school. Like there's, there's all this other stuff involved. Um, so yeah, I, I just, yeah, that just such a, such a, you can't, that can't go unnoticed, right? Elephant in the room. You got to address it. Yeah. Plus I feel like, um, I think the people who bring that point up is it's like, it, they're from a different generation. And it's like, when you were in school, you might have owed $20,000 in debt for your PT, for your bachelor's in PT school. It's a little different now. So the problems are going to be, problems are going to be different back 20 years from now than they are right now. So I think sometimes people forget about what situations they were in and what situation, what is looking like now, because PT school keeps going up and we keep getting, keep staying the same average salary from 1980 to 2022 it's changed like in the single digits of percentage wise while our education has exponentially increased over the last couple of years so I, I that to me I, I hear you on that I hear you on that um when it comes to like if you were talking to younger you knowing what you know now like student Charles when he was in PT school um what would you say to him two or three things you would say to him about this journey of going either home health or travel PT. You know, it's funny. I, I like to think that this is this is this is a plan that I've always had in mind. <laughs> um, like I've been thinking about home health for a while now. Um, the only thing is that, like a lot of things are circumstantial and a lot of things are just time based. Like the just, like just pass the boards, right? That <laughs> like that was the first thing that. First and most important thing that, that comes to mind, you know, like I'm already thinking about home health. I'm already thinking that I'm not going to, you know, stick with the herd and go into outpatient. Um, I, I've been doing research on home health and owning your own business and all that, like since I was very early in PT school. Um, so in, in a way, I'm exactly where I thought I was going to be. <laughs> uh, but as far as like, that's why I don't really have much to say about what do I tell myself earlier? Um, because like understanding salaries, understanding reimbursement, like they don't teach you that in school. So I was really touching on that, you know, second year in PT school, first year in PT school. Um, you don't really hear me talking about it because we're so focused on school and systems, cardio poem, all that stuff, which is all still really important. Um, but lucky for me, I, I was able to, you know, follow the right mentors and find the right people that kind of taught me about the business side of PT. Um, 
And I feel like if I wasn't exposed to that early on, then yeah, I'd be, I'd be in a much different state. Um, so yeah, just, just really understand like the whole thing. It's never just one cover. There's so many different ways to look at PT. Um, and in school, I feel like you're taught so much to, you know, how to be a good employee, how to do this and that, how to follow directions. And I feel like that's important to some extent, um, but it's, it's, there, there's so much more to it. How did you go about, find, cause I think me and you are very similar in this point where we are focusing on, obviously we're focused on passing our classes, but getting into things outside of just schoolwork and finding uh, different mentors and courses and things like that to take. How do you find people like Brandon Smith or uh, getting into the travel therapy, home health world? Um, <clears throat> honestly, I just, I don't even remember how I found Brandon Smith or some other mentors. I think I was just on YouTube. Um, I was looking at, I was just, yeah, I was just on YouTube, Instagram, looking at home health, looking at YouTube videos about home health. Um, I think it was just the fact that, like I said before, home health is not really talked about. And like, where do I even get that information? If, if, <laughs> if all my like CIs and teachers are telling me not to go into home health as a new grad, it's like, well, is that it? Like, are you going to tell me why? And like, I'm not getting information from there. So, which is nothing against them. You know, I don't think it's their job to, to, you know, it's their job to teach what they're teaching. Right. So um, just keeping an open, open mind and, and, and being curious about, you know, all your resources, just looking on YouTube, uh, listening to their stories um, and things like that. You mentioned a few times now that in school, they push you towards either inpatient or outpatient. And I think I saw that too in my schooling. And the reason they said was that um, you should get experience first. So going into this, job do you have any like concerns about not being prepared for like the home health setting or anything like that um i i feel like that's a big concern for a lot of people um going to home health um i know you guys talked about imposter syndrome and things like that on the previous podcast um I, I just, I like experience is just experience. I feel like I'm just going to go there and it might suck. You know, <laughs> I might just feel like, yo, what's going on? You know, I might run into some, you know, random neuropathology that I never seen before. And like, does that, does that, that's the sort of shit that might bother other people. But for me, it's just, I don't know, you, you, you learn something that you don't know and then you do the research and look it up later. Like, <laughs> Like, what else are you gonna do? Um, do I feel prepared? I mean, it, like, I, 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 I guess so. Like I've taken a, you know, the home health mentor course and from a documentation standpoint and insurance standpoint, like I understand how home health works. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because it is different from outpatient and there's, you know, stuff that you don't see in outpatient that you are gonna see in, in home health. like. Oasis evals and you're going to have to know how that works. So yeah, to some extent, yeah, you, you need to be prepared. Um, it also helps to have a mentor that's been there before, right? So um, I'm not just going into this blindly. Uh, 
you have resources, um, you have teachers, you have mentors that you talk to when you're confused. Um, I know that my travel company also just happens to offer a mentorship program if you need it. So um, yeah, it's, it's really important to be prepared. Like I'm not just going into this blindly, um, but to address your question, like you should get experience first before going to home health. I mean, I think it can help, um, but you have to understand that like one of my clinicals was like home health outpatient. So like I said, it's a same sort, of, same sort of vibe where you're going into homes and treating patients. And even though, you know, home health and outpatient home visits are different, it's, you're still seeing a patient for one hour, right? So um, I think building a relationship with a patient is very important. And that's really what I worked on in that clinical. So I feel like I'm prepared in that standpoint. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's about making the person comfortable first. And then if you do see something that you don't know, you'll take the time to go learn about it when you see them and be more prepared the next time. Uh, that's kind of how I, I think about it. But I think if the relationship is there, that makes it easier to explain to the patient. Like, it's easier to say, I don't know what's going on, but I will find out or I will get a better answer for you next time. And people trust that because you've already built that relationship. But I got one last question. You've been talking about, um, school not teaching you like not teaching us about home health or some of the other possibilities what are some changes that you would want to see in pt school curriculum as a whole to make sure that students are better prepared to make the best decisions for themselves moving forward are you are you are you asking about like home health specifically home, could be home health could be business could be anything in, in general I don't know. It's, 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 for me, it's a little hard to answer that question. Just, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really have that sort of mindset where I'm like school or someone or anyone, right? Not just schools, like should be teaching a certain way. So like, I don't think they should be teaching in any way. I think what they're doing is fine. I think obviously it would be helpful to have electives on home health. It, it could be electives on business, other classes on you know, more specialized, um, you know, specializations in PT. I know you guys were talking about that today. Um, like even something as simple as like a residency, like I, I'm not necessarily interested in that, but I also don't feel like the school even told me that those exist, right? Like if I want to go into like geriatric specialization, right? Like I know absolutely nothing about that. <laughs> like the school... I think they mentioned it like one time, um, but I think just maybe just uh, not like an everyday thing, but like every once in a while, like every few months, just mention to the students like, hey, we're teaching you this, but, you know, also keep in mind that you could go into home health, you could specialize in oncology or something that, you know, people don't know about, but is, is a thing in PT. Um, just sort of just some sort of constant reminder that uh, there are many ways that you can use your PT license. I think that would be helpful. Yeah, I definitely agree with all those points. Um, I think you did a great job of breaking down like different things that we don't really hear on a podcast because we haven't had anybody so far in home health. And then also being a new grad, taking the time out to do the research 
about those numbers. I think that gives um, everybody insight into like what your license is worth and something to think about if you're going into the home health field. Um, can you drop your social media or anything you have going on so that people could follow you, ask you questions, um, yeah. um, keep up to date? So you can find me, uh, best way is Instagram. It's just my first and last name, Charles Valero. That's V-I-L-L-E-R-O. Um, you can also just ask Meng to put you in contact with me. Um, but yeah, hopefully hopefully I answered the, the main question, which is like, are there six-figure jobs out there in PT? Um, and I think the answer is obviously yes. Uh, like you have to understand that like I'm a new grad. Um, I have no experience. Um, I did pass the boards and I do have my diploma. So, so if those two things apply to you, then I don't see any reason why you'd be unable to do what I'm doing. Um, I think that, you know, like I have an open mind um, and like, I think I make better decisions, but like I've seen students that are smarter than me, colleagues that work harder than me, uh, people that are more passionate than I am. And like, it just pains me to see them struggle and pains them to see them, uh, you know, get underpaid and just completely burn out in this profession. So um, yeah, hopefully I, I provided some more information to help people with that. Yeah, you heard the man, stop struggling, stop being burnt out. <laughs> it was great having you on, Charles. Thank you, appreciate it. I appreciate you, Charles. All right, man. All right, we'll catch y'all on the next episode of the Audio Experience. Comment, comment, subscribe, your takeaways from this episode. And we'll keep it. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the KMANG Audio Experience. Make sure to subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review, and we'll catch you in the next episode.